हेलो वेलकम टू द सेल्फ लर्निंग पॉडकास्ट बाय डॉक्टर सुषमा सिंह लेट अस स्टार्ट डिस्कशन ऑन चैप्टर थ्री सोशल इंस्टीट्यूशन कंटिन्यूटी एंड चेंज आवर टॉपिक इज कास्ट इन द प्रेजेंट इंडियन इंडिपेंडेंस इन 1947 मार्क्ड अ बिग बट अल्टीमेटली ओनली पार्शियल ब्रेक विद द कॉलोनियल पास्ट caste considerations had inevitably played a role in the mass mobilizations of the nationalist movement efforts to organize the depressed classes and particularly the untouchable caste predated the nationalist movement having begun in the second half of the 19th century This was an initiative taken from both ends of the caste spectrum by upper caste progressive reformers as well as by members of the lower caste such as Mahatma Jyotiba Phule and Baba Saheb Ambedkar in western India Ayan Kali Shri Narayan Guru Jyotidar and Priyar in the south both mahatma gandhi and baba saheb ambedkar began organizing protest against untouchability from the 1920 onwards anti untouchability programs became a significant part of the congress agenda so that by the time independence was on the horizon there was a broad agreement across the spectrum of the nationalist movement to abolish caste distinctions the dominant view in the nationalist movement was to treat caste as a social evil and as a colonial ploy to divide indians but the nationalist leaders above all mahatma gandhi were able to simultaneously work for the upliftment of the lower caste advocate the abolition of untouchability and other caste restrictions and at the same time reassure the land owning upper caste that their interest too would be looked after the post independence indian state inherited and reflected these contradictions on the one hand the state was committed to the abolition of caste and explicitly wrote this into the constitution on the other hand the state was both unable and unwilling to push through radical reforms which would have undermined the economic basis for caste inequality at yet another level the state assumed that if it operated in a caste blind manner this would automatically lead to the undermining of caste based privileges and the eventual abolition of the institution for example appointments to government jobs took no account of caste thus leaving the well educated upper caste and the ill educated or often illiterate lower caste
to compete on equal terms. The only exception to this was in the form of reservations for the stool caste and stool tribes. In other words, in the decades immediately after the independence, the state did not make sufficient efforts to deal with the fact that the upper caste and the lower caste were far from equal in economic and educational terms. The development activity of the state and the growth of private industry also affected caste indirectly through the speeding up and intensification of economic change. Modern industry created all kinds of new jobs for which there were no caste rules. Urbanization and the conditions of collective living in the cities made it difficult for the caste segregated patterns of social interaction to survive. At a different level, modern educated Indians attracted to the liberal ideas of individualism and meritocracy began to abandon the more extreme caste practices. On the other hand, it was remarkably how resilient caste proved to be. Recruitment to industrial jobs, whether in the textile mills of Mumbai, the jute mills of Kolkata or elsewhere continued to be organized along caste and kinship based lines. The middlemen who recruited labor for factories tended to recruit them from their own caste and region so that particular departments or shop floors were often dominated by specific caste. Prejudice against the untouchables remained quite strong and was not absent from the city, though not as extreme as it could be in the village. Not surprisingly, it was in the cultural and domestic spheres that caste has proved strongest. Endogamy or the practice of marrying within the caste remained largely unaffected by modernization and change. Even today, most marriages take place within caste boundaries, although there are more inter-caste marriages. While some boundaries may have become more flexible or porous, the borders between groups of caste of similar socio-economic status are still heavily patrolled. For example, intercaste marriages within the upper caste, that is Brahman, Baniya, Rasput, may be more likely now than before. But marriages between an upper caste and backward or dual caste person remain rare even today. Something similar may have occurred with the regard to rules of food sharing. 
perhaps the most eventful and important sphere of change has been that of politics from its very beginnings in the independent india democratic politics has been deeply conditioned by caste while its functioning has become more and more complex and hard to predict it cannot be denied that the caste remains central to electoral pro- politics since the 1980s we have also seen the emergence of explicitly caste based political parties in the early general elections it seemed as though caste solidarities were decisive in winning elections but the situation soon got very complicated as parties competed with each other in utilizing the same kind of caste calculus sociologists and social anthropologists coined many new concepts to try and understand these processes of change perhaps the most common of these are sanskritization and dominant caste both contributed by aman shrinivas but discussed extensively and criticized by other scholars now let us wind up the session and thank you very much for engaging yourself with the self learning podcast